Our message tonight out of Jeremiah chapter 20, Why Born? This is a, an interesting chapter that uh, I think most of us, if not all of us, at some point in our time would be able to relate to. Chapter 20, verse 1, Pastor the Kohen, who is also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Now, Jeremiah had been prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem and all that would take place under that, uh, as a result of that. And to this man who's obviously got some important roles here, he's the chief governor over the house, as well as uh, being a Kohen, and, and so he, he comes, he, heard, he hears about uh, Jeremiah's prophecies, and Pasher struck Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And so Jeremiah is just, you know, sharing the burden that God has placed upon his heart. He's sharing the truth that God has revealed to him in love. He's warning the people. He's warning the king. He's warning the nation. And for that, he gets beaten up and placed into stocks. And I don't know if the stocks are like pictured here. It could very well have been where you're just basically immovable. And people are able to come and taunt you and hit you and throw things at you. Children might come and tickle your toes. And you are immobile. You are helpless. And they can even be doing it from behind you. And you can't even see who's doing it to you. And that all after being beaten. And who knows if they even fed him in that state or what they would feed him and how under those conditions. So comparatively, how's your week going? I hope no one here has been beaten up, thrown into prison, or even worse than prison, a stocks. And for just sharing the word of God. Jeremiah didn't have it easy. The next day, Pasha brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. And Jeremiah said... Please forgive me, you misunderstood what I said. I really didn't mean it that way. And change his whole story. God's really not going to destroy Babylon. It really doesn't apply to you. You're, the king is a good king. I shouldn't have said anything. I apologize profusely. Pasha brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. He's free. What would you say? Here you say something at work, maybe given testimony. I went to services this week and was so blessed. The, 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 the things we studied in Bible study or in, in the message, or I was reading my Bible this morning, and, or I was having a prayer time. God answered this prayer in my, this week. You're just sharing your life. And someone gets offended. Someone accuses you of preaching at them. Someone accuses you of bullying them. 
pushing your religion on them, persecuting them, looking down upon them. Oh, they indicated that my lifestyle is not good, that my choices are not as good as they are. And the boss calls you in and tells you, this is what I heard. You can't be talking that way here in this company. You can't be sharing your faith here. You want to do it privately. You want to go on your weekends, your time off. You can read your Bible, do whatever you want. But don't bring it in here. Or if you were being threatened with being fired. What if your spouse didn't care for your faith? Maybe it wasn't your faith together when you got married, but you came to faith. And now your spouse doesn't want to see it, doesn't want to hear it, doesn't want to know about it. And threatens either your faith or our marriage. And they'll take the kids with them. And get a court injunction that you're not normal. And you might not be able to visit the kids. Certainly won't have any say in how they're raised, what kind of education they get, what kind of videos or television or movies they see or activities they participate in. What would we do placed in a position of standing for the word of God? Well, do you believe that such and such is wrong? Well, do you believe that if someone, such and, someone does such and such, that they're bad? Do you actually believe that if someone doesn't pray to God, they're going to get burned in hell? Do you actually believe? What would we say? You know, often those questions are just trick questions anyway. To try and trap us, try and get us to just give a yes or no answer, and of course to any of those topics or questions and many others, it's much broader answer than they're looking for. Because they're really not looking for an answer. They're looking just for a reason to accuse us. So what would we do? Jeremiah knows, hey, if he gives the wrong answer, stop back in the stocks again. Or worse, beaten again. Or worse. I don't know how many of us here in this country, among us here, have been beaten for our faith, have been beaten for the word of God. Do you really believe the beast's power is such and such? But in places in the world, today, and since Jeremiah's day and long before that, people have been taunted, mocked, beaten, ridiculed for standing for their faith. Do you really believe God cares what day of the week? Is important to him? 
Would we take a stand? If our job was on the line? If our freedoms were on the line? Time is coming, the Bible predicts, when we will not be able to buy or sell because we take a stand for our faith. That's basically the position Jeremiah is put into. He won't have his freedoms unless he talks the party line, unless he goes along with the crowd, unless he says what all the other prophets are saying. Unless he agrees with the king, we're very fortunate in this country to have a lot of freedoms, freedom of speech, to be able to say what we want. There are a lot of countries in this world, if you say anything negative against the king, or the president, or the prime minister, North Korea, Iran, many other countries today, you get locked up and beaten and the key thrown away for posting something on a web page or blog or Facebook or against the, against the kingdom or against the nation, against the government. That's the situation Jeremiah is put into here. I don't think any of us can really picture or relate. I know I can't since I haven't been put into that type of situation yet. But I believe a time is coming where all of us will be forced to make a decision for God or against him. For the word of God, for faith, for truth, or against him. So how does Jeremiah respond? Next day, Pasha brought Jeremiah out of the stocks, and Jeremiah said, The Lord has not called your name Pasha, but Maga Meshabib. The Lord says, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies, and your eyes shall see it. Your name is not Pasha, your name is terror. Terror all around you. Fear all around you. I will give Judah to the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive to Babylon and slay them. I will deliver all the wealth of this city, all of its produce, all of its treasures of the king of Judah. I will give into the hand of their enemies who will plunder them, seize them, and carry them to Babylon. You, Pashar, and all who dwell in your house shall go into captivity, you shall go to Babylon, and there you shall die and be buried there, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. That is not the way to win friends and influence people in your favor. But Jeremiah spoke the truth. He spoke the word of God. And I don't believe he did it, although being beaten and put in stocks, it'd be understandable to say it in anger. It'd be understandable to say, I wish this will happen to you. <laughs> but I believe he was doing it out of love to try and waken this guy up. 
and all who were following him, and all who were following the king, and all who were following the false prophets. He's just telling them, look, it's going to be bad. It's going to be terrible. And this is what's going to happen to you if you don't change your way. How could Jeremiah say that? Because Jeremiah was not concerned about Jeremiah. It wasn't about him. And it's not about you, and it's not about me. When someone dumps on you, it's their problem. They've got a problem. Not you. I was talking to someone recently, and they were telling me that their father tells people they, he doesn't have children. Other people, he doesn't have anything nice to say. He says, they never call me. They don't care. She said, well, that's not reality. I've called several times. Well, I invited him to come and live by us. And she was very upset that her father would say things like that. I said, well, what's that to you? That's his opinion. That's his problem. You love him. You've offered love to him. If he refuses it, it's his loss. And what he says to other people doesn't have to affect you at all. You have a husband who loves you. You have children who love you. You have friends. God loves you. Be content with that. We can't be dependent on other people. It's not about us. It's, it's about sharing God's love. It's doing God's duty. It's doing God's will. We don't have to have everybody like us. In reality, no one's ever going to have everyone like them. And so Jeremiah didn't care about being liked. I'm sure he wanted to be liked. But serving God was more important than having a lot of Facebook friends. It's more important than receiving the, the praises of the world. Doing God's will is what's important. That's why he was able to do it. And out of love for those who are on the way and path to destruction. Revelation talks a lot about Babylon and the fall of Babylon. and Of course, not real Babylon, but it's referring us back to this whole time period. And thus, it's going to happen again. The world's going to be confused again. The world's going to be in confusion again. The world's going to be in Babylon again. And we're either going to need to be like a Jeremiah, like a Daniel, like an Ezekiel, like a Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah, in love, serving God, caring about the well-being of others. More important than just saying what pleases other people's ears. Or living our lives the way they tell us to live them so that we can conform to the ways of this world.
I don't think Jeremiah was being mean. I don't mean he, I think he was saying it's out of anger or malice towards this person. Probably taken that way. And it doesn't tell us what Pasher did to him. I'd imagine he put him back in the stocks or put him back in prison or gave him another beating. We can kind of induce from what we're going to see Jeremiah's then shift to his prayer and his communication with God. And no doubt, Pasher didn't treat him very nicely. Doubt Pasher said, oh, thank you so much for revealing that to me. You know how I didn't realize that's what you were... You know, yes, that is what they said, but now I hear from you, and, and uh, okay. So I guess I better change some things in my life. Now, verse 7, O Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I, and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out, I shouted, violence and plunder, because the, Lord, the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. So again, I get the impression he's put back in the stocks and left out there by the gate. And everybody's mocking him. And he's crying out to the Lord. Lord, I said those things because you're stronger than me. You spoke through me. Those were your words, not my words. but it's not gotten me in favor with the people here in the city. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more of his name. So first he's talking to Pasher, then he's talking to God, and now he's talking to himself. Which was not a good idea. <laughs> And he says, that's it. I'm done with it. It's not worth it. I'm not going to talk about God anymore. It just gets me in trouble. I'm not going to witness for him anymore. I'm not going to be let it known, my faith. I had this bumper sticker and people honked me and, and, and cursed at me and made ugly signs at me. I'm going to take that off. I'm not going to let anyone know my faith anymore. I'm going to hide it. I'm not going to say anything at work anymore. Just going to live my life. I'll have a private religious life with God, but no one else is going to know. I'm not going to warn anyone anymore. They want to go to destruction, that's their problem. They want to get sick, that's their problem. They want to be judged by God, I'll leave that up to God. I'm not going to warn anyone anymore. I'm not going to tell anyone anymore. Because they don't want to hear it anyway. Then they blame me, the messenger. That's what he says. Not doing it anymore. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. Jeremiah tried not to speak for God. But it was like fire in his bones, and he couldn't hold it anymore. And so then people passing by, he says, fire, destruction, <laughs> it's coming upon these cities. Whoa, 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 warning, warning, warning. Repent, 
Turn to God. Get rid of the idols. Turn from your sins. It's burning in his heart. Holy Spirit just taking control of him. Bones burning with the zeal of God. You know, he decided I wasn't going to say it. He said it anyway. He couldn't hold it in any longer. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. I've been in meetings where they didn't always appreciate my opinion. And I've gone back to those meetings and I determined I'm not going to say anything today. That's it. I'm not saying anything. I'm just going to sit there. I'm just going to, I'm not even going to vote. I just sit there. I'll just listen, let them make whatever decisions they want. I won't give my opinion. And I wasn't too good at holding to my promise. <laughs> now, I don't know if it was God burning in my bones or, or just uh, my own opinion having to come out, but Jeremiah couldn't hold it in. Like fire in his bones. So we see now Jeremiah going back and forth. Right? Speaking truth. Being beaten. Being put in stocks. Being released. So a hard time, bad time. Now I'm free. Another chance. Have you recanted? Have you changed your story? Are you willing to apologize? Are you willing to not talk in this man's name anymore? Are willing not to talk about God anymore? No, I got to tell you the truth. He tells the truth again. Derided again, mocked again. Lower, lower, he's feeling, I'm not going to talk about God. That's it. I'm done. Holy Spirit takes full control of him again, and fire burning in his bones, and he speaks up for God again, and he's back on the saddle and riding with God, regardless of the consequences. I heard many mockings, fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report it. All my acquaintances watch for my stumbling, saying, perhaps he can be induced. Then we will prevail against him and we will take our revenge on him. Again, maybe he's in the stocks. He's hearing on every side. He's hearing whisperings. He's hearing behind him. He's hearing voices. He's hearing people talking about him, mocking him, saying fear on every side. That's what the name he said to Pasha, you're no longer going to be called Pasha, but fear on every side. Oh, fear on every side. Oh, he's fear on every... Where's the fear? Where's Babylon? We don't, we're not afraid. We're not afraid of you, Jeremiah. We're not afraid of your God. We're not afraid of your prophecies. We're not afraid. Where's this fear on every side? He's watching for Jeremiah to slip up again. Say something more, Jeremiah. Say something against the king. Give us reason to really put you in prison. Really try you. Really end it once and for all. Really shut you up. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will be forgotten. Spirit of God comes upon Jeremiah. He's lifted up in faith. He's lifted up in strength. His courage is back. God is almighty. Remembering how God has worked in the past. Remembering how God has worked in other people's lives before him. 
How Moses was rejected and Moses was derided and God protected him and God sustained him. How David was chased by Saul and by others and how God sustained him and God lifted him up. The Lord is with me as a mighty and awesome one. God is awesome. I might be in stocks, no one might like me. All my persecutors, all everyone I know is, is talking badly about me. But God is on my side. God is awesome. God is almighty. God is the only one that matters. And God will one day judge and God will deal with them. They will not prevail forever. They may prevail for a time, but not forever. They might kill me, but I have everlasting life. The prophesied Messiah will grant me everlasting life. He's not afraid. They will not prevail. They can kill this flesh, but they can't kill the truth. They will be ashamed. They will not prosper. They will come to an end, an everlasting end, and they'll be forgotten. Now, Pasher, he was a Kohen, and he was the chief governor. That's a pretty high position. How many books are named after him? How many people read his writings? How many people name their children Pasher today? How many people even remembered that name before I brought it up again today if you hadn't read Jeremiah in a while? He's forgotten. But Jeremiah remains. Jeremiah is a book in the Bible, a long book in the Bible. Jeremiah's preached about, Jeremiah's read, Jeremiah's talked about children. People name their children Jeremiah. And Jeremiah has the promise of everlasting life. God's word is truth. He is able to sustain. He will see us through to the end regardless if we fear not. He who endures to the end shall be saved. God is with us. God is a mighty awesome one. And he will eventually judge all our persecutors and all who deride us and all who mock us and all who will bind us up and all who will put us in stocks and all who will mock us. God is almighty and greater than them all. And he will see us through as we put our trust in him. Verse 12 but, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous and see the mind and heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for I have pleaded my cause before you. Now, I don't know if this is an up or a down for Jeremiah. Right? He just was up again. God is almighty. God's an awesome one. God will judge them. And now he's asking to see the judgment. <laughs> there are other writers in the Bible who prayed similar things, too, and so it all depends on his motive and his hardness. But it doesn't sound too good on the surface. Wanting to see them fall, better if he would have said it, would have, to see them repent. Verse 13, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the poor from the hand of the evildoers. Right, he's up on high, he's trusting the Lord, he's praising the Lord, he's singing to the Lord. There he is in the stocks, and he's singing to the Lord and praising the Lord. 
He is the deliverer. He is almighty. He is the mighty God. And when we're persecuted, whether externally or internally, whether the devil is tempting us or making us feel bad, maybe people really are mocking us, or maybe the devil's just whispering in there, nobody likes you, nobody cares about you, everyone at work hates you, you're useless. You know the whisperings. Whether it's internal or external, we can look up to God. Because whether it's real or imaginary, whether it's real or just Satan's lies, the reality is that God loves us. God will never leave us nor forsake us. God for so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He sent not the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. He loves us with an everlasting love, and he is more than enough for all of us. He is able to sustain us and save us and keep us as we keep our minds and our hearts stayed on him. And Jeremiah has been doing pretty good here under the circumstances, without a doubt. Standing true trusting the Lord under tremendous heartache and troubles and trials. So we read the book of Jeremiah. Again, it's a long book. covers a long period of time. 40-something years, I think. And there's only like two or three, three or four maybe names of people who stood by him and stood by him consistently in that long a period of time. His parents are never mentioned. His brothers and sisters are never mentioned. God didn't allow him to have a wife or children. Daniel at least had his three friends. Jeremiah stood basically alone. Again, a couple friends. But one person with the Lord is a multitude. One person with the Lord is more than enough. And God is an awesome God. And he will stand with us and never leave us nor forsake us. And with God comes a multitude. With God is always a majority. And that's all we need. No matter what circumstance we're being placed into, or what situation we're in, even if it gets as low as Jeremiah's. In verse 14, Cursed be the day in which I was born. Let the day not be blessed in which my mother bore me. Let the man be cursed who brought news to my father, saying, A male child has been born to you, making him, my father, very glad. Now, Jeremiah's hit a low point. We say, how can he go this low after he just said, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord. He is mighty. He is awesome. He will be with me. He is a deliverer. He delivers the poor out of the hand of the oppressor. 
then how can he come so low so quickly? Oh, and some of you here know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of us here have experienced this very thing. You're riding on high, and then comes crashing low. And sometimes the higher we ride, the harder the crash, and the lower we go. One of the things we see in Yeshua's life, he stayed at even keel. He was neither elated by applause nor felt dejected by censure and rejection. It didn't matter whether his disciples followed him. It didn't matter when he had the multitudes wanting him to be king. He walked away, not my time. It didn't matter when his mother's telling him to do something. It didn't matter when his brothers came and tried to persuade him to do something. They met when his disciples, oh, there's a multitude, they want to be healed. Look, everybody here in this town loves you and there's more that want to be healed. I got to go to another town. God's calling me another place. I got to go. It wasn't about the crowds. It wasn't about the popularity. He didn't allow himself to be lifted up. And thus, when he was rejected, it didn't bother him either. When his disciples couldn't pray with him for one hour. When Judas betrays him. When Peter curses in denial of knowing him. It didn't affect him. Because it wasn't about him. And it's not about us. And if it's not about us, it can't hurt us. But it's about God. It's all about God. It's all about God's honor and glory. And whether that means being rejected or being accepted, it doesn't have to do with us. It has to do with God. Because what they've done to the least of his brethren, they've done to him. And so if they like us, it's because they've seen God in us and they're liking God. And if they don't like us, as long as there's nothing in us that would cause them not to like us, as long as we're not giving Satan any room to make us unlovable or unkind or nasty or mean. But if they don't like the God in us, they don't like God's spirit in us, then it's because they don't like God. And it's not about us. So Yeshua didn't go up and down in this roller coaster ride. But unfortunately, right here, Jeremiah did allow it. Maybe as he was saying, sing to God, praises to him, he delivers the poor out of the hand of the oppressor. And maybe he was thinking, God's going to raise me up. My name is going to be in the book of the Bible. I'm going to have all my writings are going to be there. 2,500 years from now, they're going to be preaching about me. And Satan might have lifted him up and then just dropped him. Wish they'd never been born. Cursed be the day I was born. Let there not be a blessing on that day. May that day be cursed. And even the person who told my father that a son has been born, may curses be upon him as well. 
Let that man be like the cities which the Lord overthrew and did not relent. Let him hear the cry in the morning and the shouting at noon. Because he did not kill me from the womb, that my mother might have been my grave and her womb always enlarge with me. That person who told my father that I was born, may he be overthrown, may he be dead, may he be like a city destroyed. Because he went and gave news about my birth. Because he didn't kill me in the womb. You ever feel like that? I'm sure you have. Wish you weren't born. Wish you weren't alive. Think you'd be better off dead. Oh, if you've ever thought that. I'm sure Satan said that no one else thinks that way. I was talking with someone recently, and uh, her brother had died, so I called her in a condolence call, and uh, we were talking, and, and she was grieving his loss. They were close. But she said, you know, she said, you know, he's the one that's better off. He knew the Lord. He was at peace with God. He's sealed with God. He has a place reserved in heaven for him. And he doesn't have to deal with the troubles of this world anymore. He's at rest. He's at peace. And then she said, you know, when people hear me say that, they, they think I'm, I'm crazy. They think, you know, I'm depressed. They think I'm, I'm nuts. But I'm not saying it out of depression. I'm not saying it out of despair. I'm just saying it out of reality. Life here sometimes sucks. Cars break down. Bosses fire us. Landlords raise rents. Insurance companies charge high prices and then don't want to pay out. Some people are mean. Some neighbors are nasty. Some people are loud. Some people don't talk to us. Some people drive crazy. Some people get angry at us because of the way we drive. Too slow, too fast. Whatever is not happy with them. Sometimes it's too cold, sometimes it's too hot. Sometimes we don't have enough. Sometimes the toast burns. Life is tough. It's not all wonderful here. And that's in this wonderful country where things are much more wonderful than in many parts of the world. Sometimes our computers don't work. And life can be frustrating. And so, yes, even Paul said, I'm betwixt between two. 
whether to depart and be with the Messiah or to be here with you. <laughs> I prefer to be with the Lord. <laughs> but for your benefit, I'm staying. <laughs> for you, I'll stay a little longer. For you, God has me here longer. But if it was up to me, I'd be out of here. Good thing it wasn't up to Paul. And it's not up to you and me. So it's not necessarily crazy, it's not necessarily wrong to come to the reality that life here isn't always so great. That heaven is certainly going to be a better place. Why did I come forth from the womb to see labor and sorrow that my days should be consumed with shame? Why did God let me be born? All I'm doing is sitting here in the stocks and being rejected. No one's even listening to my message. The king has taken my writings and cut them up and burned them. I'm probably going to die here and no one's going to remember anything. What's the purpose of life? God didn't let me get married, didn't let me have children, there's not even going to be any protege to continue on after me. My days are just consumed, just filled with shame. Nothing seems to be going right. And he wished he wasn't born. Wished he was dead. Basically suicidal. And this, interestingly enough, is where the chapter ends. And Jeremiah is not written in chronological order for some strange re reason. Chapters are not compiled in chronological order. So we really don't know what's the next chapter that took place after this chapter. But we do know that Jeremiah survived past this low point. He survived past this depression. He survived past the thoughts that his life was worthless. He survived past the beatings and the stocks and the threatenings. He survives past the pasher and the, and the king and everybody else. And even when Babylon's destroyed, Jeremiah lived on and survived. And more importantly, his writings live on. And his writings have been a tremendous blessing to countless people down through the ages. It was his writings that inspired Daniel in Babylon and gave Daniel hope. And so if it wasn't for Jeremiah, who knows where Daniel would have been in waiting for the end of Babylon and the return to Jerusalem. If it wasn't for Jeremiah, there'd be less people in heaven. When we all get to heaven, Jeremiah will see a vast multitude of people 
who are there because of him. And so in times in our life, we might wonder why on earth was I born. Sometimes in life we might think it'd be better if I was never born. There might be some times in our, not, not might be, there will be times in our life where we might think it'd be, and we will think that it would be better off that we were dead. But it's not for us to decide. It wasn't for Jeremiah to decide, it wasn't for Paul to decide, and it's not for you and me to decide. Those who do then take their life in their own hands are playing God. And that's not a good place to be. Because we're not God. And only he knows the end from the beginning. And even though Jeremiah never saw it in his day, as we'll continue with his life, we will see to his very last breath that people never accepted a word he had to say. <laughs> but that again is not the end of the story. God sustained Jeremiah's writings, and I'm not sure how, because no one accepted anything he had to say. Except the two or three people mentioned but God sustained it and miraculously has it there for us today. And God has a purpose for us. Oftentimes in the Psalms, David has these ups and downs. David almost always, if not always, ends his psalm on a high. <laughs> but this chapter ends here. The next chapter, we've already studied it, the next chapter, the king ends up sending Pasher to go and ask Jeremiah for advice. Has God changed his mind? Is Babylon going to come and destroy us? And it might have come chronologically after this. So we know Jeremiah survives. And we will survive as we put our trust in God. Stop worrying about ourselves. Stop making the whole entire world and everything in the world about us. And make it about God. And let him be on the throne let him be God. Let him decide our fate. Let him decide our future. Let him decide what is good and what is not good. Whether a beating is good, whether being put in stocks is good or not good. Whether having our writings ripped up by the king and burned is good or not good. That's not for us to determine. Our job is to serve God and to walk in his ways and walk humbly in his ways and leave the results with him. So if you've been struggling with suicidal thoughts, either in the present or sometime in your past, or if it comes in the future, know you're not alone. Jeremiah is not the only one. Moses felt the same way. Elijah felt the same way. And they made out pretty good in the end. So you're not alone if those feelings come upon you. But trust in God through them. 
And don't make the decision for yourself regarding your future. Leave it with the Lord and trust in him. And let him sustain you. Let him be all you need. And let him decide the results of our lives. So as we pray tonight, if you're being tempted with suicidal thoughts, surrender them to the Lord. If you're being tempted with just feelings of worthlessness, surrender them to the Lord. Being tempted with fear, fear of the future, fear of the unknown, surrender it to the Lord. If you're being persecuted for your faith, or for your life, lifestyle, living a godly life, surrender it to the Lord, trust in him. If you're being tempted to not speak up for God, if you're being tempted to hide your faith so that things go easier at work or at school or wherever, I encourage you to surrender that to the Lord and let the Lord decide. And let us pray that God comes into us so fully fills us that he's like fire in our bones down to the very marrow of our bones fully filling us and his life is lived out of us regardless of what's going on around us. And if that's what you want to experience, God's presence so powerfully in us. We give him our lips and let him speak through us. We give him our bodies and our lives and let him live out through us. And if that's your desire, when we pray, ask God to just fill you with his fire. Or any other aspect that God's been speaking to your heart about the message tonight, or maybe God's been speaking to you through the songs we've sung, or some other thing, maybe your worship this morning, or something in your life this week. Let us pray, let us enter into God's presence unitedly, and let God fulfill his work in us and through us. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we're thankful that you sustained Jeremiah and we ask that you sustain each person here. Give us the ability to endure to the end regardless of what happens and when things really get tight here and pressure comes on to this, in this world and we are pressured not to speak for you, Lord, give us your spirit. Fill us now. Fill us with fire from on high. Fill us down to our bones and marrow. Fill us completely. Push up and out of us all sin and everything in us that doesn't belong there, everything that's not of heaven, all fear, all worry, all doubt, all discouragement, all self. And put it into your son. And fill us with you. Fill us completely and overflowing that your words come forth out of us and your truth pours out from us. Not only in words, but in deed and in action and in facial expressions in our every aspect of our lives. And when we're tempted that this life is not worth it, sustain us and see us through. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.